Internet, what is up? Well, let's get after it. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Combat Flip Flops is my good friend, Matt Griffin, who is a former Army Ranger from 275 fame and who started Combat Flip Flops after his military career. Their premise is business, not bullets, and they make the best flip flops on the planet. Make no mistake, they're awesome. They're a great company. They're great friends of ours. They have an amazing website. They make great merchandise. They make some uh, great shamas that are still manufactured in Afghanistan uh, from their team there on the ground. And they have all kinds of cool stuff. Swing over to their website, uh, www.combatflipflops.com to go check them out. All right. Next up, we've got uh, my good friend, Steph, over at Belichick's Training. She's got a course uh, fundamentals course that she's going to be teaching in my old neighborhood, Sandy, Utah, uh, coming up on 1111. Uh, go check her out. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure what her website is, but you can find her on the gram at Bellatrix Training. Shout out to Steph. She's an absolute awesome instructor, awesome shooter, and great all-around person. So if you are in the market, if you're in Sandy, Utah, and you are a female and you want to go get an intro class to Concealed Carry Pistol, She's your gal. Go check out her training. Highly respect her and endorse her. She used to be part of the field craft team, broke off, started doing her own thing. Amazing human being. Can't say enough great things. She's been on the podcast. Search down into the episode. You'll find her. We interviewed her at SHOT Show last year. So great person. Shout out to Steph. All right. What takes care of business items? So let's fucking G-O. Because I'm so fucking good. You know, I was thinking that we're way, way behind, and we're only actually only one weapons free behind. But it seems like it's taken forever because of my adventures as of late, which some of you guys have caught on the gram, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we dive into that, it's been a hot minute since we've done a top ten. So I want to do a top ten for those of you listening, maybe dive, you know, just getting in here for the first time. You don't know what a top ten is. My top ten that I do on Weapons for Wednesdays are the top 10 countries that download the podcast. And we have a running competition to see who can get on the board and not only on the board, but also get into the top three, which is heavily dominated and you'll see why. But yeah, if you can spread the word, if you're in foreign country, you love the podcast, you love what we're all about over here. First of all, don't forget to go give us a review on uh, Apple or Spotify. And um, tell your friends, tell your friends, tell your family, anybody that you think would be interested in this content. All right, top 10. We've got, for the first time on the board, Austria. I, Austria, beautiful country. I don't know where you guys came from, but you are coming in at that 10 position. So welcome to being on the board for the first time, Austria. It's fucking awesome. All right, number nine, coming in at number nine, we got Ireland. My Irish folks over there, love you guys. Shout out to Ball Your Bowl. Number eight. As our South African friends, listen, we've got a really special mama bear over there. She's like the, the mama bear of the podcast. She is fantastic. She's a lawyer, but we don't hold that against her. So shout out to Soria. Soria, you guys are like, you've fallen down the charts to number eight. So maybe get your friends, get your mates. Okay. Get their asses in gear. 
right? Because you guys were, I think, at number six last time we did this, but you've fallen, so you got to get after it, all right? Coming in at number seven, we've got our uh, our great people, over, our Kiwis over New Zealand. Thank you so much, New Zealand. Uh, neighbors to Australia, which is very near and dear to my heart. And coming in at number six, Netherlands. Netherlands, our Viking folks are making a reappearance. You guys were off the board for a while, and now you're back in that number six spot. I like to see that. So welcome back, Netherlands. Number five, Germany. Germany. You guys were also off the board for a while, and now you're back. So fucking awesome. Welcome back, Germany. Uh, coming in at number four, the, these top four positions are not going to surprise anybody. Okay, If you've listened to the podcast long enough, you know why. But coming in at number four are my United Kingdom folks, my Brits over there, and uh, other little united places, Scotland, all those folks over there, Northern Ireland, all of you guys, the Commonwealth, as it were. Uh, coming in at number four. Thanks. We love having you guys. Love having you guys on the board. Coming in at number three, this is going to be a huge shock to everybody. It's my fucking top cunts down in Australia. Okay. My Australians are coming in at number three and they are making a hard representation. Okay. The gap between third and fourth place is pretty substantial. So good job, Australia. Good job, Australia. Um, let's see. Number two, coming in at number two, Canada. Coming in at number two, the Canadians. Man, you guys have some problems over there. I guess all of us have problems lately. We all got massive problems, but I just was like watching. I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what, what feed I saw it on, but they're now like trying to get podcasters to register with the government for control of speech. And I just find that wild. I find that incredibly wild. Like, man, you guys fucked up electing Trudeau. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Massive fuck up. Okay. Hopefully you guys learned your lesson with this and you vote that cunt out of office because he needs to go. All right, and then, of course, on the top spot, and nobody's ever going to fucking knock us off that pedestal, is the United States. So thanks to all my friends and family and people out there that uh, support my podcast in the veteran community and first responder community. Love you guys, and thanks for everything. Okay, well, that wraps up top 10. Okay, so people have been long awaiting, at least for the last few weeks, I think, this episode of Weapons Free Wednesday, because if you've been traveling, you've been like following my journey as of late, there's been some fucking pretty substantial bumps in the road, which we're going to get to that. But before I start, you know, yapping about myself and my big problems in my own life and, you know, get down into the weeds um, of what I've got going on, I just want to take a second to recognize the people of Israel and Palestine, like um, my heart goes out to all of the uh, innocent bystanders on both sides of that fence that are caught in between uh, those two warring factions. Um, war is 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 disgusting. So I was really good at it and participated in it for 13 years. So I have firsthand uh, I have firsthand knowledge of of just how ugly and nasty things get, especially with this particular enemy. Um, they have really disgusting tactics that they employ and. Uh, I I hope the IDF takes care of business. Like Hezbollah and, and Hamas have fucked around, and now they're going to hopefully find out, and and hopefully find out in such a costly way that they never want to fuck around again. So I hope that's the case. And you know, I know there's there's innocent people on both sides of the fence, as I said earlier. There's innocent Palestinians that are caught in the crossfire of all that, and my heart goes out to them as well. Um, and I would like to remind everybody out there, if you are not educated on that situation, 
properly or have intimate knowledge of the dynamics, the cultural dynamics that occur in that region of the world, you probably should do your homework before you open your mouth and prove how ignorant and stupid you are. Okay. So I will leave it at that. But what the Israelis are dealing with is they're dealing with an enemy that is, you cannot negotiate with them. Okay. You cannot negotiate with Islamic fundamentalists. You just can't. Okay. The only thing that they understand is the golden rule and the golden rule is violence. And the only thing they will bend to is absolute overwhelming sheer force of violence. You have to basically eradicate them and outviolence them, beat them at their own game. So I'm not stoked on that situation. I'm not stoked really on the overall condition of the world these days. We've just, we just continue to plunge further and further down the rabbit hole. And I'm just not excited about where we are as a global population or as a country really, but I digress. Um, heart goes out to, to everyone caught in that situation right now and um, go give it to them. IDF, they, they got it coming. Anytime you want to gather up uh, innocent women and children and rape and murder them, you deserve every single bullet. And in the immortal words of the amazing General Mattis, if a son of a bitch is worth shooting once, he's worth emptying the magazine on. And with that, we will move on. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier, we, uh, we have uh, a really, we've got a, a well-awaited, a long-awaited, <laughs> man, tongue-tied son of a bitch right now. We've got a long-awaited podcast. Like you guys have been like, hey man, how are you? What's going on? What's going on? So for those of you that know and been following the podcast for a while, you know that uh, earlier this year, I was lucky enough to get invited over to Australia. I sat down, um, made some future business plans and met Kate. And and for those of you who've been following, Kate's my girlfriend and um, an amazing woman. And um, I'm lucky to have her in my life. And... uh, met her and we hit it off immediately. It was turned into an immediate forest fire, like five alarm forest fire and things of things were went really, really well for six months. So um, I made plans to kind of downscale what I was doing here and then go to um, Australia to start executing this new, this new business venture and to, um, you know, basically start my life with Kate, because as you guys know, relationships are extremely hard. Long distance is extremely hard. And um, long distance, it doesn't make anything better. And I've done a tremendous amount of long distance in my life with my ex-wife during my operational career and with, you know, other people that I've been in relationships with. We've done, I've done a fair amount of it and I've gotten to the point where I don't, I don't enjoy it. So we were, you know, in the process of closing that gap and, you know, obviously I can't completely, um, you know, eliminate what I've got going on business-wise here in the States for what we do with the podcast, what we do with YouTube, what we do in terms of, you know, with firearms training um, and gear, you know, manufacturing design and production of equipment for the uh, first responder and military space. So there was no just cutting rope and running to uh, Australia and, and going whole hog into Australia. There was uh, a lot of work that occurred on my end to downscale things and uh, the, you know, the main reason I'm doing this podcast and letting you guys, you know, basically in on what's going on is because, you know, I, I got into podcasting because I enjoyed having really great conversations with people. There was times where I would sit around the campfire with my friends uh, or people that I knew or people that I just met randomly. And I would have the most amazing conversations with them and really amazing connections with these people. And I'd always think to myself, man, like I got a lot out of that. And I bet you if anybody 
else was sitting there listening to it or they, they got a lot out of it. And then I started thinking like, wow, that would, that would make an amazing podcast. And so that's kind of what set my interests into podcasting was these really great conversations that I was having and the things that I was learning uh, along the way. And then, you know, those of you that are familiar with my journey know how I got into this racket and uh, I really enjoy it and I really love it. But one of the things that I'm really big on is, you know, being a value add um, and kind of growing where I'm planted and, and being a value add in, in people's lives and, and being able to inspire, teach and learn from, you know, my audience and to be a better human being and to, you know, be a support mechanism for those who need it and, um, you know, inspiration to people who need it. And uh, that's, that's why I'm here. And so I thrive on authenticity and I thrive on transparency because there's, there's entities out there all over the internet and all over social media and all over the podcasting realm that just fake the funk, you know, then there's a few of them that are, you know, big deals in my, um, in my, uh, my particular vertical in the veteran podcasting space and, you know, guys that are much, much bigger, more prolific than I am. And they're, you know, they go out and they preach all these things about leadership and about accountability and about this and about that. And they're, I know these guys, <laughs> some of them I know intimately and I know their personal lives and their personal lives are fucking train wrecks. And so I just, I can't get on board with the whole, you know, I'm going to stand on my soapbox and beat my drum and talk to you guys about accountability and, and perseverance and leadership and all these things uh, when my life is a, a train wreck or I'm, or I'm just don't have any authenticity or, or transparency around what I'm doing. And, you know, it's just all, I'm always just posting the highlight reel to my Instagram or talking about everything that's going right all the time. So that just people just continually think that everything's going right in my life all the time. Things are not going right in my life, particularly right now. Like I've had some major major hurdles. And, you know, I want you guys to know that I put my pants on one leg at a time in the fucking morning, just like you do. I'm nobody special. I just have some unique life experience, which has given me a pretty unique perspective and mentality that I, once again, going back to the reasons of podcasting, want to impart and help, you know, spread to make the world around me. Um, and particularly for my audience, for those of you that I'm so grateful to have as, you know, listeners of the podcast, I want to help you guys out and make your lives better. So that's the whole, that's my whole premise for this. And so in doing that, you know, I've, I've taken a little bit of criticism. I've taken a little bit of fire and you know what, Aussies, I love you guys to death, but I'm going to pick on you guys for a second. You guys, and not all of you, I'm not going to lump you all into one basket, but I am going to tell you that I have noticed a cultural nuance with you guys where you always just want to post the highlight reel and you guys don't understand authenticity. And you often just tell people what you think they want to hear instead of being completely brutally honest because that's too full on, mate. And I find it ironic that I follow a lot of you guys on social media and I look, my, and this is directed at my Aussie crowd, like there's some of you out there that I watch who you follow and I watch what you like. And you're following, you know, the Frizellas, the, the Frizellas of the world and you're following the Bedroses of the world and you're following the, you know, the Jockos and the uh, David Goggins and you're following these, these, these super successful Americans that put out kind of a really hard message and are really full on. And <laughs> so when I get, when those, when that's my peer group and you guys are like, Oh my God, you're so full on. Yeah. Fucking a, I am. And I'm unapologetic about it. I am fucking full on. I am direct. I am to the point. I am transparent. I am authentic. And if I'm too fucking much for you, go fucking find less. Okay. 
And that's what I have to say about that. So, you know, overall, I love Australia. Love Australians. They've been super hospitable, super kind. But there is a small select group of individuals that I'm speaking about right now that I have noticed these things about. And so I'm addressing you guys. And I'll just leave it at that. But I digress. Back to relationship stuff. Like relationships are really, really difficult, especially when you're doing long distance. And so, you know, all of us have trauma. Every single human being on the on the planet has trauma. And so kind of the biggest lesson that I've learned out of this whole thing, and to back up, because you guys are like, okay, Brian, you're putting the cart in front of the horse here for a second. So let me just back up. So uh, I, I basically downscaled my life to move to Australia and start, you know, building a uh, kind of a bridge in between two countries, like basically building a bridge to Australia where I was going to be doing a, um, you know, I was going to be working um, with, you know, starting a company over there doing design and marketing and branding work and then having my relationship with Kate and then also having my, you know, having the podcast, having the YouTube, everything here in the States, as I mentioned earlier. And so I'd packed up my life and completely like I sold a bunch of my stuff. I put all my stuff in storage and, um, as I started to execute the move, I was 20 days out. I was already moved out of my apartment. I'd already taken care of everything that I needed to take care of. Every single detail was kind of wrapped up. And what had happened was I, you know, Kate and I had a misunderstanding and she broke up with me. And I was, you know, I was like, what in the fuck? And realistically, like, why did we break up? Was it because we were fighting all the time? Nope. Was it arguing? Nope. Cheating on each other? Nope. Stealing from each other? Nope. None of that. As a matter of fact, Kate, as I said earlier, is an amazing woman and she's fantastic. And we were actually doing really, really exceptionally well. So now we're going to step back into what I had mentioned earlier, which is the trauma piece. It's not my story to tell, so I'm not going to tell it. And frankly, like her stuff is none of anybody's business. But there was a substantial amount of a trauma that occurred in her life. And I did not, and this is where accountability comes in. I did not realize the severity of it. And I don't think really at times I took it as serious as it actually is. And so maybe there was a part of me that was a little bit dismissive about it because it has been a while since those things have happened. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, this is your, you know, it's been a couple of years down the road. Like she should be okay. You know, and I, I was unfortunately applying my lens of like former military you know, service and all the adversity that we face and all the things that we have to suck through in the military that really builds amazing resiliency. And I often forget this. Um, I forget to be empathetic to people and I forget to, you know, really take a close look at the severity of certain situations with regard to humans sometimes and their trauma. And I'm working really hard on sharpening that lens and not doing that well you know, not, not doing that, um, you know, not basically being dismissive towards other people's, you know, trauma, which I have unfortunately done at times, you know, there's, I'm a human being, people is what I'm trying to say. So yes, there's been times after doing nine combat deployments and face shooting people that I fucking struggle a little bit sometimes with listening to somebody who's super traumatized about their dog getting run over when they were like, you know, their little Pomeranian Fifi getting run over when they were like, you know, six years old and how that, you know, has affected them through their adult life. Like I, and I shouldn't be like that, you know, everybody kind of suffers the same. And that's the, that's kind of the rub with trauma. Like one person's trauma is not more than another person's trauma. And I have been a dickhead in the past and have not, <laughs> I have not 
practice that. And so I am, you know, a work in progress as we all are. And I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do a better job at that. So I would say the accountability piece that I can take out of this that was completely my fault is that I really, I think I kind of overlooked something that is really serious to her. And so that caused, that caused uh, her to feel alienated and unsafe and unheard. And we had a breakup situation occur, which I was not stoked on at all because up until that point, as I said, we have a fantastic relationship. Like I really, I can't sit here enough and say enough good stuff about her. She's loving, she's kind, she's thoughtful. She's starting a, a nonprofit to help um, at risk, you know, female youth and be a mentor of them in Australia and, you know, teach boxing and fitness programs for them. And, you know, she's just, she's, she's a 12 on a bad day. So we didn't break up because anything, you know, because of the normal things that were happening, which made it really hard for me to understand. But then once again, we're back to, you know, being understanding and being thoughtful and empathetic towards somebody else's trauma. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I've never been broken up with because everything was going right. But that was, once again, the lens that I was looking through instead of being a good partner and trying to see both sides of the coin. So I have some accountability and some responsibility in this situation. So that occurred. About the same time, my would-be business partner in Australia stopped answering my my messages and my texts and my emails. And meanwhile, over here, like I've full-on like dove into getting the branding position done. I've done some business development in the overlanding space with companies here in the U.S. and got some good momentum and traction on some things that could be very lucrative. I've done, you know, I've worked with Jess over at JM Artworks, who is undoubtedly one of my favorite, most loved human beings on the planet. And she whipped up a fucking amazing logo for me. And, you know, I did, got, I was working in that direction. And then all of a sudden, ghost, radio silence. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? And so then I was like, okay, well, none of this is great. And so then I kind of got pushed into a situation where I got, you know, I basically was, you know, a, you can, um, you know, you can take a risk and fly over there and find out what's going on or you can cut rope. And I'm just the way, the era that I was raised in and how I was raised on a ranch in Wyoming and, you know, kind of doing things the cowboy way and being in the military for as long as I was and, you know, growing up as a Gen Xer with no technology I'm just not into this whole cancel culture, ghosting people, not replying to emails, texts, or voicemails. Like it just, it doesn't sit good with me. So let it be known to the people out there in the ethosphere. Like if you fuck around, you will certainly find out with me. And what I mean by that is if you ghost me, I am definitely the type of dude that will get on a fucking plane and I will fly around the world and I will find you eating at a restaurant with your friends in Bondi Beach. And I will leave that part of the story for a little bit later down the road here, but I am that dude. And more to the point, I will get in an Uber and I will pay the 200 fucking dollars to drive out to your shop and run you down face to face. Now that occurred. I did that. I flew around the world. And a lot of that too was because of, you know, the advice from my, my inner circle, like my inner circle of people were like, Hey man, being as far away as you are, you know, on the other side of the world, you don't know what's going on in, you know, that person's life. Like, you know, your business partner, he could have a, you know, he could have a uh, um, family death. He could have just gotten diagnosed with cancer. He could have like his business partner could be screwed. You know, his current business partner and the current business venture he's involved in could be 
um, you know, in trouble. He could be having relationship strain with his partner. Like one of his kids could be sick with cancer and dying. You don't know what the situation is that's causing him to shut down. And he could have some huge emotional thing that's impacting him. And you won't know until you get out there. And realistically, like, you know, my friend, my, one of my best friends who gave me that advice was absolutely right. And he knows me well enough to know that I, how I'm wired, but also the fact that like, I, I wouldn't have been able to sleep if I didn't get off my ass and go over there and find out, like if I would have just cut rope, I would have just always had this question mark in the back of my mind. Like why, what, what happened? Why did things go sideways? What's going on in his life? Is he okay? You know, from a friendship perspective, is he okay? Um, because I do care deeply about the people that I have in my life. Um, so I did, I got on a plane and I went over there and I was not greeted well, <laughs> got, got off the plane and like, just had to go immediately into troubleshooting and problem solving mode. So I did that and, um, you know, uh, it, it bared fruit. It was definitely worth the money I spent. It was definitely worth the trip. Um, you know, I got to spend some time with Kate. And we definitely had some great interactions. And once again, we have an amazing relationship. Like there was no animosity. There was no, you know, yelling and screaming. There was no fucking fighting. Like there was love and kindness. And she was definitely shocked that I tracked her down and found her in a Lebanese restaurant in Bondi Beach with her friends because she's terrible at Persec on Instagram. Um, so that was, that was an interesting experience. Um, but that basically that moment was the linchpin to you know, creating a dialogue to get us, you know, back on track. And um, because we were able to speak and have those interactions in person, it led us to be able to, at least it led me to be able to understand her better and really understand um, in greater detail and have, you know, tacit firsthand, you know, information on what was going on and why it was going on and what we need to do or what more importantly, what I need to do to, you know, fix things. And so, you know, that we're, we're, not, we're now in the process of, of doing those things. So there's that. Um, and then I did, I did need to run my, my partner to ground and figure out my would be business partner to ground. And he, he shut down on me. He didn't have any answers for me on like why he, you know, decided he didn't want to participate anymore or why he changed his mind or whatever. And realistically, like, I'm not in a position to sit there and I don't, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm not in a position. I'm not, I have no interest in sitting there and like arguing with people if they've changed their mind about things and need to go a different direction. Like it's just, it's fine. It is what it is. And, uh, you know, so time in Australia, although, like I said, love Australia, beautiful country, beautiful, amazing restaurant. The coffee is absolutely to die for. Um, I enjoyed my time there as much as I could. And it was very much worth the peace of mind. And it was very much worth the, uh, the effort that I put in to go over there. So that being said, people like sometimes you don't know the outcome until you actually put in the effort to go forth and to run things to their ultimate conclusion, which I am. I'm not a human being. I'm wired like that. I will run things to their ultimate conclusion every time, whether it's friendship, whether it's business, whether it's a romantic partnership, like I will run things to ground if there's an issue. So that's what happened. Um, and things, unfortunately, initially didn't didn't go my way and i you know got uh got on the plane i did my time there <laughs> i got i got on the plane i left and came to hawaii came to hawaii to sit down and you know once again going back to the strength of my tribe like in my inner circle people like i have amazing inner circle people and they 
we're like, Hey, you know, go hang out at our place in Hawaii and figure, figure out what's next. And so, you know, um, I have great, I have great humans in my life. I'm very blessed. Um, but it's also because I've taken the time to build that network. I do have a selection process. I do have expectations of my friends. The top three things that are most important to me are, are, you know, um, integrity, loyalty, and reciprocity. You know, if I have those three things in a human being, then, you know, and they do their time and they prove that they're a value add to me and I'm a value add to them, then we keep, we keep going in life. And I have built a pretty, very small, but core group of human beings that I rely on for that. And so as such, they were like, yeah, go to Hawaii, chill out for a while, figure things out. So yeah, that's what I did. And that's currently where I'm located. And I'm just figuring, I'm just, we're going to, we're going to make a new plan, <laughs> which we'll get into the, we'll get into the dy dynamics that in a second, but I want to circle back around because I want to touch back on the trauma piece. And I just need to kind of say what I need to say about the trauma piece um, re regarding all of us. And here is something that my friend Jonathan over at Geyser Systems, um, if you guys don't know Jonathan, he's also been a guest on the podcast, good friend of mine, him and his wife, Lisa are amazing people. They're definitely inside circle people. They're on a retreat in India right now, but shout out to Jonathan and Lisa. Um, you know, Jonathan, when I was talking him through the initial stages of this was like, he said something pretty profound to me that really stuck. And I had never, you know, heard it because I, you know, I was basically going back on like, well, I don't know why all my, you know, late, you know, all of my main relationship attempts have failed. And he was like, well, let's unpack it and figure it out. And so we started talking about things. And, you know, I would say in the last, I would say in the last decade since my divorce, I've had five serious relationships. And so, um, you know, he was like, okay, well, tell me a little bit each, you know, tell me a little bit about each one of these people. And so I did. And he said, okay, well, we're, we've got to try and unpack this and find the common thread here to maybe help you solve the riddle on what's going on. And so, you know, what the common thread was after sitting there and discussing it about, you know, for a while is the common thread was each one of these human beings had massive amounts of trauma in their life and none of them had a solid multidimensional healing strategy. Um, and so he said to me something pretty profound. He was like, you need to be careful with human beings that have had a lot of trauma and they're not living a self-examined life. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, holy shit, what is a self-examined life? And he was like, a self-examined life is when you take a look at everything you do, everything you are, and you are constantly striving for self-improvement in each one of the categories. But in this case, you know, healing your trauma is a thing that we all need to practice on. You know, like if you, um, you know, and the, you know, kind of the, analogy that I would use to describe this is if you were, you know, skateboarding and you like broke your leg, you wouldn't, you know, you snapped your, your tib fib in half. Um, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't just sit there and leave it. You would go to the emergency room. They would x-ray you. They would probably shoot you up some drugs to get you comfortable. They would x-ray it and then they would reset it and then they would cast it and you would heal. And then you would eventually be back skateboarding at some point. So I think what a lot of us do with emotional trauma is we don't pay it the same credence as we do with, you know, our physical traumas. Like we just, we don't, and it's kind of the same thing. And so living a self-examined life in terms of your self-improvement of your, you know, mind, body, and spirit, you know, what are you doing to heal your trauma? And so, you know, kind of the best 
uh, you know, the best thing I heard was uh, Tyler Gray. He was talking to uh, Sean Ryan on Sean Ryan's pod on the Sean Ryan show, and he he mentioned something about becoming a general contractor for his own healing. And uh, I thought that was really prof- I thought that was profound, and I really liked the analogy. And I started thinking about it, and it led me to kind of come up with something on my own where you know. Every single one of us has trauma. Every single one of us has some type of coping mechanism to deal with that trauma or to try and heal and recover from that trauma. And some of those are toxic coping mechanisms. Um, the most immediate example that comes to mind is drinking. Like if you drink lots of alcohol and that, and I'm, I'm no saint, that was my coping mechanism for a really long time in my life when my operational career ended and my identity was over. I was having an identity crisis and was just really super fucked up uh, in the wake of also a two-year divorce. Like I was in the bottle all the time. And so, you know, that is a toxic, you know, coping mechanism from, from, from trauma. Um, but, you know, going back to being your general contractor, I would take it one step further and I'd say, you can't build a house with just a hammer. Like a hammer is great. You can get a lot done with a hammer. Like hammers are an amazing tool. Like you can, you know, you can do the framing, you can do, you know, a wide variety, you can set the windows and the doors, you can, you know, put, you can install things, you can do all the carpentry, but the hammer can't do the masonry work. Like you can't pour concrete and smooth concrete with a hammer. You can't do the plumbing with a hammer. You can't do the electrical with a hammer. You can't do the gas lines with a hammer. Um, you can't do drywall with a hammer. You can't paint with a hammer. So a hammer is a great thing. Um, And so what I would say kind of what, you know, most people probably use for a hammer in terms of a coping mechanism or in terms of some type of healing modality that I see the most common is a good physical fitness program. You know, being, going to the gym regularly, um, you know, or participating in some type of, you know, sport modality, whether it's, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu or judo or, you know, boxing or whatever, like people will usually use that as their like, you know, healing modality or their, you know, something that helps keep them centered and grounded and focused and have, you know, goals. So I would kind of say that the fitness, fitness thing is, is a, is kind of the hammer, but it doesn't do everything. Okay. Physical fitness is, is great. And it's definitely needed. You definitely got to get out and move your body. Um, and it does pay huge dividends to do so when you are depressed or when you're suffering from trauma. And I'll get into my, you know, practices for overcoming adversity, but uh, in a little bit, but the, the, you know, that model of you can't build the whole house with just a hammer. Like, are you, you know, do you do yoga? Do you, you know, do you have a good spiritual or religious connection? Do you, do you do psychedelics? Do you do cold, hot and cold therapy? Do you have a good physical fitness? Like it's a, it's a multi-layered thing, just like, you know, building a house, being that general contractor, like, what else are you doing for yourself besides just going to the gym and throwing iron around for a couple hours or going to Brazilian jiu-jitsu for a couple hours every day? Like, what are you, what else are you doing? Those are things that you should really take a look at and consider if you are just kind of one-dimensional in your healing process or your approach to what you're doing with your, you know, coping mechanisms for your life. And so that's kind of my newfound idea and philosophy. So I've started layering things up with like, you know, meditation and, you know, obviously you guys know I'm solid in the psychedelic realm, which has been amazing and life-changing for me, but it's not, it's also, as I said, like, it's not the be all end all. Like I can't 
go sit in ceremony, you know, every single month. It's just, it's not, that's a, <laughs> that's a no-go. Okay. And for those of you that have, you know, sat in circle and done plant medicine, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's an ass kicker and there's usually a fair amount of in integration on the front end and the back end. So it's just really kind of real unrealistic, you know, unless you're a healer or a practitioner of the, of the medicine to participate in it in a regular, in a regular way. But um, once again, it's not a hammer. It's not, you can't build the whole house with a hammer. So what else am I doing? Like, okay, hot and cold therapy, jujitsu, um, you know, meditation, breath work. Breath work is something that I suck at. I have fucking no clue about breath work. I need to like get my ass to some Wim Hof or, or something. I need to find some, you know, some really great, amazing breath, breath work practitioner. If you guys know of anybody, feel free to like find me in the DMs or shoot me an email, info at loanelement.com and give me some recommendations for breath work. I would love to have that connection. Um, also talk therapy. So, you know, do you, are you going to talk therapy? Like that's another healing modality. So I, I feel like if you're living a really good self-examined life, you are being a great general contractor and you're stacking up multiple modalities to, you know, deal with your healing and with your trauma. Because realistically, if you are just using physical fitness as a way to bury your trauma and you're just sitting there with it, it's still going to sit there. It's still going to stagnate. It's still going to, you know, um, it's going to come out of you in other ways, whether it's like your health um, or your fitness or, you know, substance abuse problems or interrelationship dynamics where you're just fucking destroying, you know, friendships and business opportunities and romantic relationships because it just is manifesting out of you in a way that's not, it's not healthy. So all of us have trauma. All of us need to deal with trauma. And as I said earlier, you're not going to just, you're not going to get injured and just go, not go to the hospital if you get physically injured or you need surgery on something, you're not, you're not, you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to need physical therapy. Um, you're going to need surgery in some cases. You're going to need, you know, all, all of those things to heal properly and get back to hundred percent. And I, I think your emotional, um, and mental states are the exact same thing. So, um, you know, if we're going to also dive into an accountability around, you know, the business partner thing, like this is probably the fourth or fifth time that I've had, um, I'd say probably, yeah, it's the fourth time that I've had a opportunity like this pop up. And I think I've finally learned my lesson on, you know, doing this the right way because so many times I'm like, Oh, I don't want to offend them by asking them to do it the right way because I don't want to ruin the opportunity. You know, basically I've let that lack and fear-based mentality like affect me on a certain level to where I will, you know, worry about damaging the you know, the, the new potential of this becoming a, a thing. And so I will not be, I will not, I've not leaned in in the past into, you know, basically insisting that things happen in the, in the proper way, you know, like, first of all, like sign a non-disclosure agreement. Okay. So if we're going to talk about my AAR for a second from the business side of the house and the failure on the business side of the house, like didn't sign a non-disclosure agreement, didn't demand a letter of intent, didn't you know, didn't charge for a consulting fee, which I'm going to start doing. Like, that's one of my biggest things is I'm going to charge $2,000 an hour now to discuss business opportunity stuff like this. Because I feel like if you really value me that much to where you want to start a business entity with me and you want me to head up your branding and you want me to do your marketing and you want me to do your product design and product line management stuff, you will have no problem with, you know, because of the seed capital that it's going to take to do specific things that I work specific areas that I work in 
you will have no problem paying a consulting fee. You will have no problem writing a letter, a signed letter of intent, which isn't a binding agreement, but it's still a, a measure of accountability and, you know, a good measuring stick on if people really intend on doing things the, the proper way. And then from there, you know, if you get past the letter of intent and you've like briefed the business, you know, they briefed the business plan and you like the business plan and you like the, you know, proposed equity and revenue split and profit sharing agreement and compensation model, then you move on to, you know, which is all also papered up in an offer letter. And then, you know, uh, you move on to the articles of organization, the, you know, the incorporation of the entity, and then you set up joint bank accounts and you put those together and then you, you know, you move to the funding phase. And once things are funded, then you, you know, depending on the scope and size of what you're trying to execute, you may go into recruiting phase and try and recruit people for the startup, get some top tier talent in there if you've got the budget to do that, and then move into execution. And I, on some of these occasions, did not pursue things properly because of my own fear of rocking the boat and upsetting them and like, you know, disturbing a potential, you know, or, or causing something potentially really great and lucrative to implode. And so I'm just, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I would highly recommend, um, and I have a few people out there that I mentor that, you know, are, are very entrepreneurial spirited and they want to, you know, get into these types of things and activities. I would really, really encourage them from, because of my own very recent failures in this regard, I would, you know, friendships, friendships, fr friendship is friendship, business is business. And, if people are serious about actually executing business, then they will have no problem with doing things the right way. And so do things the right way on the front end. And so I will leave that where that lies. Um, okay. So let's talk about uh, adversity. Like Brian, what do you do when you fucking have planned and prepped and prepared to execute, you know, business and pursue a romantic relationship that, in, that entails you packing your whole life up and moving around the other side of the world and then having it explode literally in your face when you are, you know, 20 days out from pulling trigger. Uh, it was hard. It was fucking really, really emotionally challenging, especially, like I said earlier, coming from an angle of like, why the fuck is our relationship over? Like it was going great. Um, yeah that's what I struggled with the most as I was like, actually both relationships, the business relationship and the personal relationship were both great as, and mainly because the, the business side of the house was founded in a friendship. It was started in the, uh, you know, it was this, those seeds were planted and grew into what I considered a really great friendship. So the fact that both of them were going in a great direction and then just seemingly imploded for no reason, that was that's a major kick in the balls. And that's kind of what, you know, if you, those of you that caught it on Instagram, when I, you know, did a, I filmed, you know, did a, did the whole dad talk thing because, and mainly because everyone was checking on me. Like I, and it's why I feel obligated to have this podcast is because so many of you who knew what was going on or who knew what, what I was doing, a lot of you were like reaching out and being like, Hey man, how's it going? How's Kate? Are you, are you in Australia yet? Uh, you know, put up some pictures of Australia. How are things going? Are you excited to be there? Like you guys were invested and you were really curious about what was going on. <laughs> and so while I'm standing there in flames with shit burning down around me, trying to find the fucking fire extinguisher, I was like, fuck, I have to, I have to put like, I can't just keep ignoring my fans and listeners and followers that are like, you know, putting out the great vibe for me and being super supportive. Like I have to, you know, I have to, I have to Roger up here and I have to like let people know what, <laughs> what's going on and hopefully be able to spin this into a really positive learning lesson for you guys. 
which is what you know I'm I'm trying to do here. Um, so adversity, yeah. There's times where you can do all the most detailed planning in the world, and I've experienced this during my operational career. You can pull all the intelligence. You can do all of the you know substantiation of intelligence assets. You can do all of the you know. You can go over multiple courses of action. You can come up with a solid operational plan. You can have solid actions on the objective planned out, solid infill, solid exfill, like everything, like the plan you've just gone through over and over and over again. All the stakeholders have come together and you've got an amazing bulletproof plan. And then you get out there and it does not survive first contact with the enemy. And sometimes shit happens that is very much out of your control and very much out of your preparation. And you get your ass kicked your ass gets handed to you and you had, you know, you didn't see it coming. It was something that you couldn't have prepared for or planned for. And it just, it just fucking happens. And then guess what? You have to deal with it. You have to fucking deal with it. And so that's a tough situation. And, you know, what I've kind of learned and I've learned this from like sitting with the plant medicine and surrounding myself with amazing people in my inner circle and them being amazing sounding boards for me and being super supportive is, is, you know, one having that network how to survive a super adverse situation in your life, like that you were not expecting. Firstly, like you're um, having a good solid network of people around you to like lean on when shit, you know, hits the fan. Um, having a great team of people in your, you know, in your orbit really, really helps soften the blow. Um, another tool that I really use is uh, gratitude. And that's kind of the fucking tough one because we're all a little bit, you know, we all like to feel sorry for ourselves a little bit and go through the why me, why did this happen? And I did it too. Like, I'm going to tell you right now, there are that, those fucking thoughts definitely crossed my mind. I've just been, I've just had enough reps with super adverse things that I don't let those thoughts come in, plant seeds in the ground and grow into thorny, thistly, black, fucking poisonous plants in my mind. Like I open the door, I acknowledge those feelings and I open the back door and let them leave. Like I purge those things out pretty quick. I don't set up a tent and camp out feeling sorry for myself. I just refuse to do it because I know it's super counterproductive. And the longer you do that, the worse it gets and the harder it is to eventually, you know, heal or, you know, develop a new course of action and move on. So I don't spend a lot of time feeling sorry for myself, but I'd be a fucking liar if I didn't say, yeah, there was a part of me that was like, what the fuck? Like, the fuck did I do to deserve this? Like, why did this happen? fact of the matter, it doesn't matter why it happened. It happened. So accept it, have radical acceptance around the fact that it happened, have a good group of people, solid people to lean on, and then have gratitude. Like, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of go down the, you know, the why gratitude's, why gratitude's important is because it can always get worse. And, you know, my best description of that would be, okay, girlfriend broke up with me. What did I do? I go down to the bar. I get absolutely shit hammered. Then what do I do? I maybe go sport fuck some barfly hottie that's like sitting there because I want fucking some vindication and some revenge. I do that. Boom. Then I get fucking herpes. That's fucking rad. Then I fucking get drunk again because now I'm fucking pissed off that I have mushrooms growing out of my dick. And now I fucking am out skateboarding drunk and I break my fucking ankle and now I can't work and I can't travel and I can't fucking earn a living. And now my bills are stacking up. My medical bills are stacking up. And then I lose my job. And then I lose my apartment. And then you see what I'm saying? Do you see how things just kind of stack up and just can continue to get worse and worse and worse 
uh, one, depending on like your coping mechanisms and how toxic those are. And two, if you don't have gratitude for what you have. So I immediately, when bad things happen, I'm like, well, no one's shooting at me and I'm not bleeding out. So it's a fucking good day. Oh, it's, it's fucking blue skies and sunshine right now. It's fucking amazing. Oh, I'm in one of the most beautiful places in the world in Hawaii. Like it's gorgeous here. Um, I have a fucking amazing network of super understanding people. Um, you know, that's, that's the line I, I go down with, with gratitude because things can always, always, always get worse, always get worse. So by having gratitude and having an ability to have some self-introspection and realize, you know, hopefully be, be in a position and I haven't always been this way. It's like, you know, my healing practices and plant medicine have really changed my life for the better in terms of like radical acceptance, being always super grateful for everything that I have around me, my health, the weather, you know, something sometimes as simple as a fucking hot cup of coffee, um, produce an amazing amount of gratitude. Uh, and then, you know, realistically having a, you know, um, understanding the fact that emotional, mental, you know, wounds are just as, you know, they need, just as much time to heal or sometimes more time to heal than physical wounds do. So getting back to the analogy of like you fall off your skateboard, break your ankle, and then you just never go to the hospital. No, that's not how it's done. Um, you got to go to the hospital. You got to get x-rayed. You got to get maybe surgery. You got to get put in a cast. You've got to do the physical therapy and then you're back on your skateboard. And that sometimes is a, that might be a year long process. Like my knee injuries. I've had three knee surgeries, two on my left knee, one on my right knee where I've had my knee, my patellar tendons exploded in both knees and I had to have reconstructive knee surgery done in both knees and both knees. It took me 14 to 16 months to get back into being able to, you know, move and function properly, um, you know, and be able to jog pain-free. So 14 to 16 months of time to heal those injuries. And sometimes, you know, you've got to give the same type of consideration. I wish I had better advice for you. I wish there was a you know, a silver bullet or a, uh, you know, a magic pill that you could take to immediately heal heartbreak, immediately heal massive disappointment, immediately heal depression. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist. And the only thing that the only two things that I've found in my life that really, really will work if you give them the opportunity is time and gratitude. And sometimes it sucks to sit through that time. You have to really I've had some days over the last month that were not fun to sit through and they were super emotional and they were super hard. Um, and that's just the nature of the beast. When you love somebody unconditionally, like I love Kate, and then they're immediately taken out of your life for whatever reason they chose to leave or they got hit by a fucking bolt of lightning or dead, like that person's not in your life anymore. And it leaves a gaping fucking hole and it's excruciating to fucking deal with sometimes. So it's, that's, I mean, not sometimes it's excruciating to deal with that. Um, you know, if you've ever lost somebody that you really care about and love either from a bad breakup or from a, you know, a death, like it's super, super hard, um, to carry around. And it's a, like, sometimes there's some physical pain involved with that. Like it feels like carrying a lead ball around in your chest, unfortunately. And the only way to get through that is to have, as I said earlier, a multi-layered healing strategy for dealing with your trauma, your pain, your hurt, your depression, your disappointment. You got to have it. Otherwise, it just compounds on itself. And as I said with my 
earlier analogy of, you know, falling off a skateboard, losing your job, et cetera, et cetera. Like it, things can spiral out of control really easily and get much, much worse if you don't have a good, if you're not living a self-examined life and you're not, uh, you don't have a good healing strategy set up. So luckily for me, I'm at a point in my life where I've been through a lot. I've done a lot. I've faced adversity that's been, you know, excruciating in the past uh, in different, you know, capacities. And I've been able to navigate it effectively by employing a good healing strategy and, you know, also being very, having high amounts of gratitude and just giving myself the time to, to, to process through it. And, you know, that's, <laughs> as I said, I wish, I wish I had something that could just like take away your depression or your hurt immediately, you know, but it's not, it's not the case. It doesn't exist. There is no free lunch. You just have to sit with it, process it and do the time and rely on your initiative to have a multi-layered healing strategy. So that's my dad talk on adversity. Um, and so that, that concludes your, I think, Weapons Free Wednesday. So, um, you know, I'll cap this off with a story that I've shared with a few people in my life. Just from JM Artworks, she, like I said earlier, is one of my most coveted human beings in my life. And I've told her this story and she uses this analogy now. Um, and it's an analogy that uh, I came up with when I went through uh, Marine Scout Sniper Selection. And it was one of the, that was one of the, I was 19 years old and it was one of the most difficult physical mental things that I'd ever been through in my life. And, you know, it was a two week selection process and it was just, they made it just hell on earth <laughs> to the point where um, I became a heat casualty. I had to get uh, medevaced. Um, I collapsed on a fucking really long, hard ruck that we were on carrying 100, 100 pound rucks up the side of a fucking mountain in uh, Camp Pendleton and uh, collapsed. And they had to rush me off to uh, the aid station and put three bags of IVs in me, got my, you know, got me basically down, stabilized, cooled back down. And then, uh, you know, the platoon commander of the platoon called me up and, you know, at the BAS and was like at the battalion aid station and said, hey, do you do you want to continue on with selection? And I said, fuck, yes, I do. Because there's not an ounce of quit in my fucking, in, in my DNA. And so I immediately popped the IV out of my arm and I fucking grabbed my shit and I walked back over and I continued on with selection. Didn't let being, didn't let going down from heat stroke become a, become a factor in washing me out. So I went back over there, um, made it through the rest of that week and then got put into uh, our ops week, which is what, you know, it's basically keeping you awake for a week straight um, on a mission. You know, you basically are executing full mission profile stuff. And I remember we had been tear gassed. Um, we'd been, you know, we'd had to like run all up and down the mountains with our rucks on breaking contact, you know, executing our break contact SOPs um, because that's what the instructors would do. They would send us out to monitor an area, watch an area, um, report on an area. And then they would, or a, you know, a structure or a vehicle or whatever. And then they would have the cadre, you know, sneak up on our position because we were reporting our pause rep, you know, our, our, our position report to them. So they knew where we were at. And so they would sneak up on us in the dark because they knew we were tired and we were probably, you know, some of us were trying to execute a rest plan. So half of us were sleeping while half of us are awake and we were at 50% security. And so they would sneak up on us and they would throw see us into our positions and you know we'd have to execute a break of contact and so they did that to us pretty much all night that was the that was what we had to go through i think the second to last night of that week uh was just pretty horrific 
and pretty standard operating procedure for the reconnaissance and sniper community in the Marine Corps um, for their testing and selection or assessment selection processes. So um, the last thing that they did was that they would conduct what, you know, a, a cool little mind fuck where you'd been basically bouncing from position to position, doing breaks of contact. You're tired, you're hungry, you're exhausted, you're covered in, you know, CS gas, um, you know, <laughs> and they have you go to an extraction point where you think you're getting extracted. And then you have to, you know, it's down on the beach. So it's several kilometers away. So you make this several kilometer, you know, this like 18 kilometer movement to your extraction point out on red beach. And you can see the vehicle sitting there. They have a high back Humvee, like sitting there waiting for you. And so like you execute your, you know, your, your far near recognition signals for link up, you give pass challenge and pass over the, over the net. And then you start moving into, you know, conduct your link up and exfil and get caught in another ambush at the exfil site. And then the Humvee takes off and then you have to break contact and then you're stopped by the cadre and you are told that you are, because you were compromised at the exfil site, you have to now do another ruck movement to, uh, you know, basically escape and evade out of the, uh, out of the area and get to a, a friendly safe zone. So you're given another uh, another grid location to ruck to, um, which, and this was, you know, kind of on the last night of the exercise of the second week, you are given a an, another uh, destination to ruck to, and that particular distance was 20 fucking miles. <laughs> so after doing 18K uh, and then doing another, like, ambush and getting breaking contact, we had to hike another 20 miles to get to friendly lines. And so it's just a suck fest, you know, they don't fuck with you anymore at that point, but you just, you are, you know, under the gun to get there before the sun comes up because that was their caveat was like, you have to get there before sunrise or you will, you will fail and not complete. So you had to do, you had to definitely move 20 miles under the cover of darkness. So you're moving. And I just remember how broken I was. Like I was just exhausted, um, just wrung out. I was just running out and I was just, I was just on autopilot at that point and just sheer willpower. And I just kept thinking to myself, it's almost over. It's almost over. It's almost over. And I was like, just make it to the sunrise, just make it to the sunrise, just make it to the sunrise. And then eventually like we got to the exfil site, like right as the sun was rising. And I remember how much better I felt when I watched the sun break over the ridgeline and just light up the sky, like it completely reinvigorated me, made me smile, made me happy. I was super stoked because I had survived it and I had gotten to where it was. So um, it's an analogy that I've carried with me through my career and through the rest of my life, you know, and I will have it for me for the rest of my days where, uh, you know, I often say when things get hard, readjust your, your ruck, tighten your straps, and continue to walk and the sun will rise. So keep that in mind, people. If you're going through shit, tighten your rug straps and keep going. The sun will rise. And with that, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. I hope you guys are great. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Uh, wherever you're at on the globe, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we will catch you next week on the Lone Element Podcast. Peace. Anyone who runs is a VC. Anyone who stands still... The well-disciplined BC!